I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we're going to be going back to 1986 to review the cult classic that is John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Kia! Hiya! With Kung Fu, mysticism, amazing special effects, amazing mullets, Kurt Russell's amazing mullet. Kurt Russell's amazing vest. And is it James Hong, that guy I love in this? Yes, the yeah. amazing James Hong. So, uh, obviously, we watched this film loads when we were younger. We loved it then. Uh, we've watched it again recently, and we love it. I think we both agree for many different reasons, but we still love this film. It's amazing. Uh, so the purpose of this podcast is to let you know what we think, what we think has changed, share our first memories. Uh, for anybody who's listened to these episodes before, you know what to expect. But for everybody else, here's George with a quick word on some general housekeeping. Yes, so we are film lovers. We are we are not film professionals, but uh, this podcast is is all about uh, Charlie and myself, who are our brothers, going back and having a look at the the films that we grew up with, having a bit of fun with them, having a look, see whether they still hold up, uh, what makes them so great, how they've had an influence on on future films. Because it's a review, we are going to be delving into spoilers from the very off. We're going to be talking about sort of how these films came to be. Because we're, we can be very immature, there will be some bad impressions and there will be some colourful language. Yeah, and we will focus on immature things. We watch these films at a very young age and we remember what is great through the eyes of very young, very young people. Put yourself into a child. Yeah, that's, that is one way of putting it, Mr. Neverland. So, um, without any further ado, we're going to hop into our into Pork, Pork, Pork Chop Express. Pork Chop Express. We're going to get a overly a giant-sized Subway sandwich, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to be sprouting some amazing philosophy that we hope other people are picking up, just like Jack Burton. Have you paid your due, sir? Yes, sir. Checks in the mail. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, without further ado, here's the show. Enjoy. Enjoy. evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. They call it Little China. It's where Big Trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. We make one move. Just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. There are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. So, George, Big Trouble in Little China. What are your first memories of this amazing cult classic film? Uh, first memories, being terrified. You know me, I'm, I'm easily scared. You were quite a young lad. Because we wouldn't have watched this at the I, cinema. I was a young lad once. I was young once. Yeah, so before, uh, obviously, we didn't see this at the cinema. I would have been seven when it was at the cinema. You would have been younger. Three. I can't count. Um, um, so, so we watched this on TV or on, on video from TV. Yeah, uh, I, you and I were talking about this uh, beforehand. And yeah, definitely recorded off video um, as as by all our first memory stories usually involve some good friends i'm pretty sure this was at our our friends uh our nearby friends the Feenies, not the glendennings oh, you think it was a Feenies? yeah Feenies. I, this is much more down there i think this was a, a george and jamie classic rather, rather than, than glendennings who were just trying to terrify us terrify us with with aliens and cory Haim movies <laughs> <laughs> also also terminate so yeah i i have sort of sort of weird memories of yeah i remember being terrified of of lopan the 
David Lopan. David Lopan? Yes, I do mean David Lopan. Being touched on this in previous episodes, being confused. Is that Kurt Russell? Is it Patrick Swayze? They both Who have a, cares? They both have amazing, amazing hair. And they're both so beautiful. And yeah, I remember us having a lot of fun with it. I remember us laughing a lot. And I think it has had a bit of a, an imprint on our sense of humour, not just you and I, but also our friends as well. Yeah, as, as I think we, we also mentioned in the pre-ramble that, that we like to do. Yeah, that we remember the movie poster. So like one of our friends definitely had the poster or maybe they just actually bought the VHS and we remember it from the VHS box. Yeah, selective memory. Yeah, but uh, I, I remember, I have a vision of seeing this in the paper and wanting to watch, you know, like I, it was on terrestrial television. We didn't have to rely on a VHS. It was on like say Channel 4 mm. or, or something like that. And it was, it was a typical type of film. And uh, as I said before, I used to get confused between this and The Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Very similar posters. And, and you could say structure of film title uh, so True. but yeah so much uh, so many memories and yeah going back and watching this again it was obviously great fun and I did not realise I knew that this was a John Carpenter and Kurt Russell film I also knew that they worked together on the thing but I didn't realise um, they had how, a beautiful partnership yeah and how many things they'd done together so that leads us nicely into where we normally like to start George is going to flex his his movie knowledge and let us know how this film was made possible yeah so it's uh it's a bit of a tricky one because as as our listeners may know i myself i'd probably say speaking for both of us we're not huge horror fans no this is, is the type of horror we would like so like say an alien or ghostbusters horror comedy horror comedy or, or intelligent s- comedy or smart horror we yeah we, well we i think we're a bit snobby we don't like the cheap scares sort of hammer horror I'm, type thing i'm easily scared so i definitely don't like the uh, the cheap scares but um yeah so i uh, a little bit of a sort of an apology i re- realized that you know john carpenter has a huge following he's a you know a godfather of horror movies he's the man that you know changed the the sort of the genre with halloween that was one of his first I films. couldn't believe all these films that he's made. <laughs> um, and he's a very talented man because he's a writer, he's a director, and he'd even go far as writing the theme tune. I mean, the music. So he's really into his music. He's really into his electronic music as well. So I think he actually recently has been, went on tour playing his soundtracks, like synth soundtracks around America. I now have this vision of him in the director's chair in a cage of synth. In a cage of synth, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he that, that's how, how he kind of made his name i think he started out with a sort of student film called dark star which was a very low budget sort of sci-fi comedy that i used to have on dvd and tried to watch and couldn't get into it but it's it's supposed to have you know uh, its strengths but yeah halloween was his breakout hit in 78 i think then he um in 79 he worked with Kurt Russell on a TV movie for on a biopic of Elvis Presley with our, our favourite man, Kurt Russell, playing Elvis Presley, which neither of us have seen, but... Want to see after, as soon as possible. Yes, we need to see that film as soon as possible. So that's their, their first film. Then they quickly uh, made a, another film. So 1981, cult classic and potentially a future retro Rambo film, uh, Escape from New York which was, yeah, a real, again, sort of a very clever, great premise, um, sci-fi in the gritty future of 1997. You love that film. I remember when we were younger, and I think I I was trying to work out, is it the synths? Is it the Kurt Russell? Is it the eye patch? Is it the eye patch? And you're like, you're damn straight. It's It's all all three of them. It's all of them. (laughs) And then they did, uh, probably, I would argue, probably, again, another, you know, we could have easily done a sort of a Kurt Russell special, but we probably would have been talking. He deserves more than that. Or a a Kurt Russell, John Carpenter special, but we would have been talking for hours. But um, again, I think... No, we're going to break it up into bite-sized chunks. I think you and I, yeah, we would love to do the, The Thing at some point. So that was 1982, and that is probably one of my favourite horror films. I think it's a brilliant sci-fi horror, very tense. I watched it again recently because we'd done because of Big Trouble, and I wanted to get in the mood, and I was just like, I just wanted to watch it again, and yeah, once again, just love that. Film. It's a very different beast. Excuse the pun, <laughs> and it's a very different. <laughs> 
very different Kurt Russell. So, and for some reason, John Carpenter has let our friend uh, Morcone uh, on the on the soundtrack for yes. that. But we'll get to the thing when the time is right. So, so how this film came around? So, so this wasn't written by um, by John uh, Carpenter. It was actually bizarrely originally written as a western. I've heard this. Yes. So it was still set in San Francisco, but instead of Jack losing his truck, he lost his horse, and he was trying to get his, his horse George, back. That used to be a big deal back in the day. Back in the day. So yeah, the first version was written by uh, two first time screenwriters. Gary Goldman, who uh, and David Zed Weinstein, but yeah, Gary Goldman went on to uh, write one of the drafts. I think one of the final drafts of a little film called Total Recall. Um, So yeah, he had he went on to have a bit of a writing partnership with uh, Paul Verhoeven. So links back to some of our previous episodes. But yeah, the script was inspired by the, the new wave that sort of the martial arts scene was slowly coming in you know from from the east in the late 70s those kung fu movies and sort of crossing over into hollywood in the in the 80s so that oriental mysticism and with you know a modern sensibility so the production company bought the script and in classic hollywood fashion love the script who can we get to rewrite it (laughs) for Uh, american audiences yeah so they they rewrote it still didn't like the results so they brought on a new writer a guy called uh, wd richter um who wrote wrote and directed a, a cult classic film which I've never seen I, and I'm assuming you haven't it's called Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension sounds amazing we have to watch it because if I just uh, divulge some of the cast Peter Weller Mr. Robocop himself right John Lithgow sold and Jeff Goldblum in sold in sort of weird sci-fi why haven't we watched this I think we need to uh, discover that Um, so yeah he completely rewrote the film as he didn't feel the Wild West and the fancy elements work together, so he modernised everything, brought it into present day, and discarded much of the script apart from Lopan's story. So do you think in the Western version, Jack Burton was driving a cart full of pigs? (laughs) And that's why they kept the Porkchop Express? Possibly, possibly. But the thing is, like, we've obviously seen Kurt Russell in many Westerns, and I can kind of envisage it now it could kind of work with like a cheese dream version of Big Trouble in Little China um Okay, so anything else on the production side of things worth mentioning um, at this stage? Because well, I think we're going to be talking about, obviously, uh, credit where it's due, the special effects, the music, where that, the, the, the decisions that were made on the genre mashup, the different genres, I think, throughout. Well, I think um, the, a couple of other things. So um, Let's at least pretend we're organised. Obviously, we're going to talk about some casting choices later on in Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. But interestingly, um, Kurt Russell says on the, the DVD commentary that he, was afraid of starring in the movie because at that time he'd made a bunch of movies that had flopped at the box office including uh, The Thing The Thing wasn't a a hit Um, you know it came out in a very crowded summer of uh, 81 so it was I think it was the summer of E.T. and stuff like that and yeah. Blade Runner Raiders of the Lost Ark oh no sorry uh, Temple of Doom um, so yeah it uh, was that Raiders of the Lost Ark was Raiders of Lost Ark Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark we sorry. covered that on the podcast you remember that George it was at least a year ago yeah um, so yeah he was he was worried that it was going to be another flop but it was um John Copter said it didn't matter to him. He wanted to make the movie with Kurt because, you know, he knew Kurt had the goods and he was the man for the job. It was a wise choice. Very wise choice. Um, and Kurt Russell goes on to say, you know, if it hadn't been for, you know, the home video market, which was m- emerging in the 80s, he wouldn't have a career. Well, yeah, and I think, and for these films that he made with Carpenter, he, he wouldn't have a career yeah. as well, because this was a guy who, uh, you know, was saying, you know, this is who we should go for. This is Well, that's it. I mean, even though, and, you know, in a way, Kurt Russell was right, because this film was actually flopped at the box office. And it's one of those, at the time, when they did, um, you know, a lot of these Hollywood films, they'll do test screenings to get, you know, audience engagement, see if they need to tweak it. And it scored really highly, like, uh, on the score, it's like tested like the highest sort of rating of 95% and when they were doing the junket they say again on on the commentary they say that loads of um, reporters were saying to them 
oh, uh, this, this, this movie's going to be huge. You know, how do you feel? This, this is going to be, well, the, I, this is going to be the hit of the summer. I felt rewatching this recently, I was like, this would have been amazing to see at the cinema. The special effects, the, all of the things, because I mean, back then, these would have been groundbreaking, never seen before type special effects and it, back and in 86. And it's re- a really unique film. You know, it's... It's goofy, self-aware, funny, scary. And, uh, and ultimately... Bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately that is probably why it failed at the box office because they um, they didn't know who to, nobody didn't know who to attract yeah they don't they didn't know how to market it and at the same time uh, aliens was just about to be released a couple of, uh, i think two weeks afterwards and there was a massive hype behind that and yeah they they basically you know uh, carpenter and russell said you know it didn't have the biggest marketing budget and ultimately the studio, studio didn't know how to uh, promote it because they just just didn't know and didn't they have to sorry charlie trivia here didn't they have to redo the start and they kind of they changed it yes so um the opening there's an an opening uh, flash forward where a lawyer is uh, interviewing Egg Chun, the, yeah. the sort of uh, the Oriental warrior, the good guy. It was the eighties lawyers. Yeah, um, and basically, yeah, they the studio insisted that they write a scene where, just to clarify, that Jack Burton is the hero of the story because it's not actually that clear if you take that scene, even out. though he actually isn't. He is yeah. the sidekick. Yeah, <laughs> the fumbling, knocking himself out sidekick. So that is the sort of, uh, and obviously, yeah, the other thing that Kurt Russell goes on to say is, you know, it was obviously, there were so many influences in the film. It was, um, you know, mixing Chinese legend. uh, And the other thing was that there was only a handful of non-Asian actors in the cast. So that was another sort of like, oh, who's in it? Obviously, you know, Kurt Russell wasn't a huge star. Um, Kim Cattrall had been in a few sort of like films like Porky's so it wasn't like a star vehicle either so yeah that's uh, does that bring us to cast should we talk about the cast now or do you want to talk about it just their performances throughout yeah I, th- I, th- I think we just talk talk about it throughout so I mean yeah obviously we, we've touched on yeah, you've got that opening flash forward which is yeah it's just hilarious that they insist that you know Jack Burton is a hero yeah well he's a bit of a buffoon yeah but a lovable one and yeah as you're saying they're obviously mixed up in how to market this and then it jumps forward so we see Jack on the road in his in his truck so that's how the film's supposed to open so when the credits start you see Jack on the road in the pork chop express carpenters on his synth synth's going nuts do you do you do you regret missing out on the whole CB scene? You know, just just getting on your radio and I remember me and me and some of my friends actually bought walkie talkies. We went through a walkie talkie phase. I remember a friend of mine uh, having a CB and knowing all the things. What's your twenty? And like, yeah, what's turn four, good buddy? Yeah, what's well, all of that stuff? And you got to have a call sign, and they'd have them in their rooms, and they'd be talking to truckers. Didn't really go. I didn't really grow, get into it. and talking to strange grown men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I was what were you watching is that I didn't realise Kurt Russell was a bit of a depressed trucker because <laughs> when you see him pull over the basically he's he's he's, he's monologuing he's, he's he's monologuing he's trucking then he arrives and he drinks and he plays cards and he wins there's lots of irres- very irresponsible drink driving in this film like, he's doing lots of drinking and driving that big truck around yeah but let's not judge let's not judge it was the 80s it was a different time yeah whereas these days they're probably just taking a little bit of speed just to stay awake <laughs> god <laughs> So we're introduced to Dennis Dunn. Yes, uh, Dennis Dunn, uh, also known as Wang. Yeah, I just thought there was like, okay, so which what he's going to say his name over and over again. Come on, it'll be funny. A guy saying Wang. Come on, Wang. Um, and we've got some great... Uh, so Jack gets lucky in, in the game, whatever game they're playing. Uh, whatever game that is. Whatever game that, that is. Uh, and there's some lovely foreshadowing of Jack being really good. At, it's all in the reflexes. It's on the reflexes. One of the most quotable lines. Yeah. And then, uh, for some reason, Jack goes... Uh, Where's to collect his money? Oh, it's to collect Just before I give you my money, I've got to go and pick up this girl my from exotic, the airport. My exotic girlfriend from the airport. Yeah. So, basically, he's, he's the hero of this film, is Dennis Dunn's character. Yes. Uh, overshadowed. But then we go... We Fast forward, we go to the airport. There's there's gangsters there. There's more synth. More. It's, it's a great scene. It's, it's a great sort of example of mounting tension. There's some great moments of comedy so we're introduced we get the first glimpse of the lovely Kim Cattrall and the chemistry between the two of them is very believable I yes. think throughout this film I loved it between but, her and but there's a, a great moment of like it's just a typical sight gag of 
uh, Kurt Russell's checking out Kim Cattrall turns away Cattrall moves away and then there's that sweet old Chinese lady hiding <laughs> of Kurt Russell he's like oh, oh no you're not her so yeah that's a that's a great moment and then the gangster's the- sunglasses are amazing so 80s where the hell is airport security <laughs> <laughs> when this kidnapping goes down and they're brandishing guns in knives and everything yeah that would not again it was the 80s yeah. it didn't matter <laughs> look if you needed to kidnap somebody from like arrivals it was much easier than it would be today Exactly. We should really try that sometime. So then that quickly uh, jumps to... So yeah, um, Mao Yin has been kidnapped. Um, So they chase after her. They end up in, you know, uh, Little China in San Francisco. Now this cuts to... I don't know if you could tell, Charlie, but all this alleyway stuff, that was built on a studio. What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't piss on my dreams, bro. But apparently that that, uh, studio, that set, the whole sort of tight sort of alleyways and stuff where it was built by a guy called uh, John J. Lloyd was um, actually reused loads of times so it was built on the Fox lot and I think it featured in a Janet Jackson video that's where I know it from don't ask me what song I don't know what it is well you don't got a back back catalogue okay so George how big is Little China (laughs) because this film makes you believe it's an entire underworld obviously well obviously on the studio it's only about three three streets okay Um, but apparently uh, Kurt had to learn to drive the truck through this very tight set. I was saying they'll get stone drivers. No, no, no. He was actually driving. I don't think he did the sort of the road stuff, but he had to drive on the, on the set, which he said was quite tricky. It was quite tight, apparently. Very tight corners. Very tight. And then we get we quickly get to the, the gang war uh, between the two warring sides. Amazing kung fu. Amazing kung fu. Did you notice the uh, the familiar henchman? Uh, what the I've made a note of this so henchman from Die Hard check yeah. henchman from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles check yeah he's also the uh, henchman in Lethal Weapon as well which the guy with the the Fu Manchu moustache or the, yeah, bald, the, the bald guy oh no, no the, the bald, bald guy's from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right I can't believe you don't and, I can't believe you blacked that film out <laughs> and he's also in I think he is the compare fight coordinator in Hot Shots Part do you know when they're ripping off the Rambo 3 thing yeah and he gets his head squashed yeah, when they kick yeah, together I think that's the same yeah guy. yeah so uh, but, it uh, is yeah. rent a henchman rent uh, yeah. an 80s henchman so yeah you've got the, the henchman from Lethal Weapon and Die Hard he's called Al Leong and I think it's a really interesting mix of weapons in this gang fight you've got Uzis AKs and a Tommy gun. Yeah, throughout, I thought it, I liked it. It was like a mini battle in there. Okay, so they start with the guns, and then it's close contact. Well, that, the guns. Well, that's what I really liked. It was actually, and, and obviously, everything. it's it's not a, a realistic film. But what? I, li- <laughs> I, I like. <laughs> Shut <that>. up. <laughs> I like that realism of the fact that they only fight hand to hand when they've run out of bullets. Yeah, yeah. So it's a limited. Uh, uh, unlike you know most sort of Van Damme movies where it's just like, no, I'm, I could easily shoot this man. Why don't you shoot him in the head? No, I'm <laughs> to take them on one by one <laughs> one at a time one no time. I thought the um, the choreography of the fights was very good there's some you get the, the warring factions and as you've said to me before in some podcasts we are watching this through the eyes of Jack Burton so like what's going on here Wang <laughs> yeah exactly and you know Jack isn't a hero he doesn't get involved um, but quickly <laughs> I've, I've got my notes here I'm pretty sure some of these stuntmen aren't Chinese <laughs> I noticed that as well that they've just darkened their skin and given them moustaches like you're not Chinese it's like shut up put, put a bandana on you're not even Korean it's like just put a bandana on <laughs> darken their skin give them a moustache um, so quickly we uh, are introduced to I think they are the three storms Yes, that's what they're called. The three storms. Rain. Thunder. Uh, Is it wind? (laughs) Lightning. (laughs) funny. why, Why is that? Because it's basically Raiden from Mortal Kombat. What came first, though? These guys all raiding from Mortal Kombat? Uh, these guys. Well, exactly. And they're probably connected to some, like, ancient myth of... Yeah, and I think they featured in, yeah, some kung fu movies. I think they are ripped off from elsewhere. But I think the... I'm pretty sure the, the makers of Mortal Kombat have come out and said this film, as unsurprisingly, is a bit of a, an influence on... Well, that is, a, as we've said before, how Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat is a bit of... Uh, is a bit of Van Damme and obviously we'll get to da- David Lopan is Mr. Lopan David Lopan for Shang Tsung so yeah there's there's a lot of uh, what would later become 90s pop culture 
David Lopin. Uh, well, we, we, we get to that part. So the threes, uh, I love that the, the three storms reveal their weapons. There's knives, there's spitting blades, and there's a guy who's got the extendable back scratches. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice? What I, what I never noticed before about that is I always thought that it was a special effect that they were just spinning around in his hand. Yeah. But this time I noticed that they're actually attached to a ring. Yeah, and I And can't. it spins around the ring, and how does it... But how, I know it's a special effect, but how, how would that work as a practical weapon? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, when you get close... Oh, no, I've chopped my fingers off. Yeah. Ah, don't get too close. And then we are introduced to... Well, they try and run over Lopan. Ah, David Lopan. Did you know? Okay, so... Did you realise that he, this guy, in how many films he's been in? Uh, please indulge me because he's, I know he's been in lots. I had to check. So, so this I is J- J- actor James Hong. Yeah, James Hong, who we know and love, has been, um, some of you may more recently, a film that we're definitely going to get round to giving some credit, some G. Wayne's World 2 as Cassandra's dad, where they have this hilarious oh. kung fu fight and then they dub over uh, the fight. But he has appeared in over 400 films, very wow, s- lots of uh, small roles apparently. But he is the Chinese guy who, or Japanese guy, who it kills himself in airplane when Ted Stryker is giving oh. his story. He oh, commits. Yeah. Um, That's right. He commits, what's it called? Harry Curry. Harry Curry. On himself. So that's just uh, one example. I could go on, but I wouldn't want to bore you. Yeah, and he's in Blade Runner. He's the eye, the eye yes. guy. I only do eyes. I only do eyes. <laughs> Sorry, some terrible impressions. Slightly racist, but never mind. It's me uh, trying to do an accurate Chinese impression. Um, but no, he's yeah, he's got a, an amazing career, and they they, they talk about this on um, on the DVD that apparently he uh, started his career doing USO shows in, in World War Two. Like, so he was doing proper sort of variety. Shows shows and that's why he's you know he's very good at comedy you know at physical comedy um but he's also yeah it can be rent we need a bad asian bad guy who can but we get the reason i know he's been in 417 films and i knew he's been blown is i got i'm obsessed with this guy now after re-watching this film i realized how much well, i think he's still working him. now he must be in his late 80s might be yeah, late 80s at, he's 88 okay so um really done his homework this time. no no but i just i love his presence and i think this, and he's got such a distinct voice as yeah, well because he, he, he's done loads of animated stuff yeah, he's 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 um, he's he's been the the bad guy in a, in a few anime things, but he's there's a line that he comes out with in the film. I think it's when he's old man Lopan later on. My, my favorite stage of Lopan when he says, "I smell the blood of human beings. Find them, boil them until their flesh falls off." But it's there's some hilarious lines from him and just brilliant delivery, and you can tell because it said later on in his career that like with Wayne's World that it was comedy was always the thing that attracted him the yeah. most. And we, lo- we love you, James Hong. We, we we do love you, and apparently um, Kurt Russell says that out of everybody, uh, James Hong totally got this movie the most. Like other than John Carpenter, he was the ones like, yeah, I get it. You know, I get what what you're going for. So yes, you know, moving quickly on to second act, so we get to see more, hear more exposition, general exposition. Oh my god, exposition, buddy! With Gracie Law oh. and and her friend Margot. I mean, that's hilarious. David Lopin, the, the David Lopin. Let's have a listen. Lopin. Yes. The Godfather of Little China, Mr. David Lopin. You mean the David Lopin that's chairman of the National Orient Bank and owns the Wing Kong Import Export Trading Company, but who's so reclusive that no one's even laid eyes on this guy in years? Who the hell are you anyway? Blagging into buildings was much easier in the 1980s. Is what well, I yeah, think. This, the way they, they they go in with an unplugged phone, an, an unplugged phone. I oh, know, but there's the there's the first bit, which is one of my favourite scenes, is um, when Kurt has to go undercover as oh, what's he called again? Henry Swanson's the name. Excitement's my game. He's amazing. I'm going to start saying that. Obviously, not the Henry Swanson part, but just saying George McKee's the name. Excitement's my game. Kurt showing his range, though. I mean, just, he's he's brilliant. He's so. He's so smarmy, and yeah, he's he's really having fun, isn't he? Well, character within a character. Yeah. So yeah, we get the big exposition dump about the sort of the world beneath the world. This film is it's one. It's the only. No, I wouldn't even say it's a criticism. It was something that made me laugh going back and rewatching it. Is I guess because we're looking through the eyes of Jack Burton. There is so much exposition. Everything has to be explained to him. And everything is by numerous sidekicks. And some of them, you could say a lot like Egg, what's his face? Egg Chung. Egg Chung and uh, Dennis Dunn's character. Wang. Thanks, I'm glad you're remembering all the names. And they're all just, they seem, in a lot of it, they're just there to fight and basically deliver 
I wouldn't say economic exposition. Some of it's quite long-winded. It's not economic, no. no. But yeah, that's when we first get to meet. So they they infiltrate. You know, they, they they do the whole oh yeah, your phone's broken type thing, looking for for Miao Yin, and they they encounter old man Lo Pan. Where yeah, even under tons of prosthetics, James Hong is hilarious. Indeed. <laughs> and yeah, his um, one of my favorite quotes is Just when giggling is when he um, yeah he's so creepy. <laughs> Um, and then he um, the bit where he he sees like them appear on the CCTV and he's like now that really pisses me off (laughs) he's like wheeling around and he's really grumpy and creepy I I love him I want to see more of old man Lopan but yeah I think despite the the some clunky exposition this this film has a great it's really good at myth building and 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 world building and it has a really great sense of pace like it feels really tightly edited and it zips along well yeah because it's like introduction and then there's phase one where 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 they go there for the first time and then phase two is through the underworld i did i mean just going to that bit with egg egg shen what's his name egg chen egg chen Oh, yeah. Well, this in the corner of my room. Yeah, I, I, of course I've got a stripper pole down into the underworld. <laughs> stripper pole into the underworld. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> don't, don't you? Well, um, bizarrely enough, that does, that does that fire station look familiar? Oh, don't tell me it's from Ghostbusters. It is. It's the same wow. set. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. That, that's, that's not till Act 3 because... Um, oh, yeah, we've got that creepy... When's the creepy ceremony? Well, no, the, uh, we, we, we haven't... We've got still got a bit... So we've... Um, so we've got the initial sort of rescue where they, uh, Kurt and Co, they they go to rescue. Oh, they're um, successful, Margot and Gracie. Um, and there's a brilliant bit in the. Um, so you've got the first signs that Jack might not be the hero we were all thinking he's going to be. Where yeah. he he does nothing. It's all down to I think it's Eddie and uh, and Wang. Yeah. They're taking on the Kung Fu girls, but Kurt does some great, impressive shimmying along. But it's brilliant um, on the on the commentary. Kurt Russell plays our game, spot the stuntman, because this guy's shimmying along. And he's like, "That's definitely not me. <laughs> that's not me. That's that's his stuntman." And then we first get the first glimpse of the, the big hairy monster. Yeah, what is that thing? Just the eyes and uh, yeah, some very silly monsters, very um, silly looking monsters. But yeah, there's there's more scenes of like when they're trying to escape Kurt being completely useless so when he, whilst, is that when he flies the knife out of the boot yeah so, so he's trying to get his knife out he's dropping the knife meanwhile so like Wang's taking on everybody yeah and by the time he sort of pulls himself together they've all been knocked out I do remember that thing where he jumps back with wielding the knife and the gun <laughs> and it's all over but I think I what I missed when I was younger was the was the complete fluff he makes with the knife going out of his boot oh yeah I mean uh, Kurt's look in this can we just spend a moment to appreciate the you've got obviously the amazing hair which with something John Carpenter points out in the commentary he's like you had really good hair back in that in that era didn't you Kurt and he's like well you know I tried but the vest tucked into the jeans what a wife beater moccasin boots it's it's, it's a strong look I think there's there's reasons why double denim I think I think that was isn't that in a homage to the John Wayne thing the cowboy boots Uh, I think so yeah they, they have talked about that if Snake Plissken, his his character from Escape uh, from New York, is a, a bit of a, a homage to to Clint Eastwood. This is definitely yeah, it sort of it links back to its Western roots. This is a bit of a, a piss take of John Wayne. The way his his speech pattern is a bit John Wayne esque. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we we uh, we quickly get to uh, Egg Chen's uh, garage office, which is yeah the place from from Ghostbusters. We get Lopan's rituals <laughs> where. Creepy, creepy ceremony. Creepy ceremony where the girls are slowly hypnotized by amazing kung fu skills. <laughs> Give them a demonstration. Keep, watch, keep dancing, keep dancing. It's just keep dancing, yeah. Keep dancing. And then they float up to the ceiling and... Holding touch, onto a sword. And touch the light bulb. For reasons. Uh, holding onto a sword until they touch the light and climax. I mean, until the ceremony's <laughs> over. And yes, Lopan's really enjoying himself. So yeah, we get the, the good guys travel through the underworld. What down the stripper pole? Down down the stripper pole into the underworld, um, loving the use of dried ice, random hidden monsters. That massive hit monster that just pops out and eats a guy randomly. Yeah, and then he's like thrown away by just a by a, by a <laughs> cherry bomb or something. It's fine. It's fine. 
Um, when do they do the weird homoerotic? They drip, they have a shot. They have a co- they have some roofie. What you mean when they're all buzzing their faces off in the lift? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because Egg Egg Chung, what's his name, makes them a a magic potion, a, a roofie colada, <laughs> and they're all just in the lift together, all just looking at each other, smiling. You see, like, I'm re- I'm having a good time. I'm really pumped. Yes, I feel invincible. <laughs> and then it gets awkward really quickly, and he's like, you could tell that they're all looking at him, and he's like, I need to get out of here. We're all too we're all too I'm aroused. Gonna lift with with men. Any man. I feel kind of invincible. Me too. I got a very positive attitude about this. Good, me too. Yeah. It's getting hot in here, is it just me? We get to see Lopan's amazing hidden temple. Very ancient temple, complete with neon lighting and escalator. And don't forget the skull that only opens via lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Very practical. So is this when we get the like the final showdown where like when all the ninjas get together and have a fight? Yes. So we have that amazing. Mo- we, we, we've uh, skipped over the the weird floating eye monster, which I think might be an influence on Doom. I'm sure there was something similar on the game Doom with floating. Well, pretty much half the monsters in Doom are floating evil eye monsters. Yeah. So yeah, but, but that's you can tell that's very much groundbreaking effects, never-ending story type effects. Never-ending story. Sorry, got lost you there. Um, yeah, no, but so we're at that final showdown. You've got Wang and all of his buddies doing that really cool sound. So they they knock someone over with and, the fingers, and then they look across the crowd, and then they just make that knowing sort of salute with the fingers. Like, Charlie and I just pointing at each other. With our we're both doing like wah. George, I've got one question about this fight. You know, uh-huh. you're in the you're in the middle of a, like a massive like f- street fight. Yeah, is flipping faster than running? No, but it looks a lot cooler because <laughs> that bit where he's just. And I'm pretty sure that isn't Dennis done. There's a there's a lot of gymnastic flipping. I'm just like, just run, just run. It's like, but it was the style at the time. It's obviously that that homage to uh, kung fu movies. But we've glossed over one of the, the the biggest gags in this film is the brilliant thing. They all go out ready for action and. They're all really pumped up on the magic potion. Jack fires his gun in the air and knocks himself out. That's, that's great. That's in all of the trailers. Yeah. It's, uh, and I remember us, like, just even though we'd seen it tons of times as kids, it, that was one That was of the highlight. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wait, wait, he's going to knock himself out. Um, and then even when he pulls himself together, he's got that whole bit where he stabs one of the guards and the guard falls on top of him and he's like struggling to get up and yeah. meanwhile everyone's like taking out you've got like, he is like, useless throughout this as a, as a hero and you've got meanwhile Wang's doing um, you know he's flying through the air fighting one of the, the, the storms having that sword fight back and forth the, the Kung Fu and that I, get, I don't think we've both watched enough of these classic films that they're referencing I think no, we've watched we, a we few have, of them I mean we've yeah we, we haven't watched any sort of proper hardcore 70s martial arts films but because we talked about this before about the Sonny Chiba thing we've caught one or two but but the whole the fighting in midair jumping really high up in the air just for one punch and then running about and then jumping up again in the air it's a brilliant fight it's it's funny when uh, I think at the time of uh, recording the commentary Crouching Tigers had just come out and Carpenter talks about it he's like Kurt have you seen that Crouching Tiger film and he's like no but well I heard it looks good and he's like it's awesome it's awesome yeah so you gotta see it so yeah I think that he was you know trying to ape that sort of 70s kung fu style but and then there's the other great bit i mean we are sort of whizzing through this but so jack uh, goes to rescue kim cattrall um he has a passionate kiss with her and he's got the lipstick all over him that's a brilliant scene when he's and that he's was t- completely ad-libbed they just that happened at the time it was like we should really take that off it's like no no leave leave it on but it's also the one scene in the film where he's that he's trying to prove to everyone that he's the hero and he gives this really bullshit speech about how they're not going to stand up you may think that this works it doesn't work here and then afterwards she's like you're covered in lipstick yeah he's like wiping it off him they've got great chemistry between the two of them very believable which yeah I mean uh, she yeah um it's a funny one Kim Cattrall I was like this, there was times I was like oh is she a bit of ropey actress but she's very She's very good in this role. She's, and I think she, she makes the best of of the dialogue she's given. Yeah, I mean, obviously, she she made her David Schwimmer money with Sex in the City many years later. Yes, where she found the role that she was born to play, sort of thing. But you could tell that this was what came before, you know, and this was sort of like, she, yeah, she, she's brilliant at physical comedy. Yeah, very aware. But no, I just it, I just picked up on the fact that they make a nice couple, and you kind of wish that they get together. But that's sort of left. 
yeah unanswered we well, yeah, um we've we've glossed over more more james hong squealing with delight as he's becoming more and more human as he's pushing pins into mao yin <laughs> my mao yin <laughs> and he's like <laughs> honestly we just need more i think i need james hong squealing as my ringtone <laughs> make make it happen people won't look at you weird at all well i mean i i've got i've currently got alan partridge sighing as my current message tone which i, I wonder do, what the hell that was I, earlier i do get some uh, some funny looks when that uh, comes up but I, I i keep it on well no we have we have skipped through the film but i think the reason for that is that we it's, it's it's kind of like what we what we remember and i'm sure loads I, of you I, have different things that you love about it there's some great you know there's the guy exploding the expanding stuff but we don't want to just go through every single beat of this film and it, it is quite a short film I think it's one hour 40 so it's, it does I say it's barely that I think yeah it's one th- well, I think it's 136 yeah, yeah, but we're trying to give you if anybody's on the fence about whether or not they should go back and watch this film we don't want to spoil everything oh no and it's yeah as I say it's got a great sense of pace you know it's it's as you say it's got good three act structure it's got you know a lot of some great action scenes and a lot of comedy. It's uh, yeah. It's it's a real. It's it's very different from Carpenter's other films. I say I'm not it's very you know, different from most films, George. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. I mean, yeah. As I say, I can't uh, wholeheartedly, you know, wax lyrical about you know his other work. I mean, I, you know, I'm told Halloween is one of the greatest, you know, examples in the horror genre, and he is a you know he's a, a very talented guy and it's, it's weird it's sort of he started so strong in the sort of 70s and 80s and then it kind of went a bit downhill towards sort of the, the 90s well yeah because I, I read in my James Hong appreciation research uh, when I was going on a bit of when I fell down the rabbit warren that is everything Hong I found that they they were saying that he had Starman after this but but Starman was before it was, was, it, was so said that it was the reception of this film which left him a bit disenfranchised with Hollywood in general yeah I think he did he uh, and did he must a lot have of made- stuff through independent studios after this because yeah. of the way it was, it was it was handled. I'm going back on the road. I don't believe in anything no I'm going more. Going back on the road with my synth, yeah, synth in and a lock of Kurt's mullet. Yeah. So and it's left you because we talked about this before. It's it's quite an um, it's a it's, slightly ambiguous ending. Well, it's it's ambiguous. Or, or weird. It's, it's 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 non-formulaic. It's not the. I suppose in a way it does. Again, it ties into that. Uh, John Wayne Western thing the fact that it's him like the whole ending of the searches rustling out of town well that's it no it's like he saved the day and then he goes back on the road by himself it's it's like whilst he's he's had the girl and he's kissed it and he he, and he even's like oh you're not going to kiss and he's like and he goes no and he just walks off and it's it's a very untraditional ending Maybe he's but, got a date with Lopan. But, <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, where are you? Um, you have green eyes. <laughs> I have never noticed. But no, it's um, it's funny because you've got that kind of that sequel bait at the end. So you've got Jack drinking and driving, chatting on the CB radio. Uh, but what's it? Monsters on the back. Um, of course, yeah. yeah that, and, the, and but I, that's the classic. Oh, it's still alive. Well, I I thought that was sequel bait, and apparently they said no. It just they love doing an ambiguous ending. So they again, like the thing, they really fought for that ambiguous ending. That that they didn't feel that like you have to wrap everything up. It's great to take people on a journey and leave things up in the air. Well, it shows what sort of like what movie maker he is. Yeah, and yeah, they they've obviously got a a great partnership. I haven't, uh, apparently, you know, through doing my research on this, apparently the, the, the commentary that Kurt Russell and John Carpenter do for The Thing is amazing. It's one of the best uh, DVD commentaries out there. So apparently check check that yeah, out. Yeah, because they sit down probably with a bowl of scotch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can hear the ice clinking away, apparently. Um, but this one, uh, the the commentary on, on Big Trouble, it's it's great fun because you, they, they haven't caught up for a while. And at one point, they just start talking about each other's kids and what is, you know, John Carpenter's son's getting in, is in a band and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's a bit meandering but they have so much fun they obviously had so much fun making this film and they made not just this but as we've said many other films so George who else could I can't see anybody else playing any other of Kurt Russell's any, in a, you know in any other of the films he's made was anybody else considered for this is it time to release Jeff and Celine I think it is I think it is time for Coulda Woulda Shoulda your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should so yeah, there isn't actually much uh, coulda woulda should on this. 
According to the internet, I'm not sure how uh, true this might be, but it sounds like it, it could it could work. But apparently, Kurt Russell turned down Highlander to appear in this film. Wow, that would have been um, quite a different. Film. Which which was out same same time, um, but also um, apparently John Carpenter's first choice for the role of Wang was another uh, other than Jackie Chan. But uh, the one of the producers was against it, saying he didn't think Chan's English was good enough. So. Uh, it's I, not Jackie Chan. It's not Jackie Chan. Um, but apparently, even uh, but Jackie Chan even declined, dis- despite uh, the uh, the studio's fears, and they cast Dennis Dunn instead. Right. Okay. Um, which leads us on to our next feature: suspicious spin-offs. So um, this is where George and I basically just let a spitball about spin-offs we'd like to see made or that didn't happen. Remakes, reboots, yeah, so, prequels. Well, so there, annoyingly, um, there is a remake uh, mooted in the works with uh, none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But of course. But of course, because he must be cast in everything. Yeah. But apparently, I think there's like, they've said a bit like the Jumanji thing. It's a... A remake and a sequel. I don't know how that works, but that is still on the cards. Um, but there's actually been uh, one of our friends of uh, of the show, uh, Ben from Top Film Tip, was telling me there's actually a, a very good comic book series uh, following on the adventures of Jack Burton in his later years called Old Man Jack. It's uh, probably worth checking out if you're into comics. Yeah, so there, there's a few graphic novels out there. Um, I did manage to get my hands on them in time to have a look, but I think they are you know some interesting what what could have uh with uh with the you know continuing adventures of jack burton but in terms of what i would like to see i mean yeah i mean jack burton is a is a great character and it's it'd be great to see him but you know him being the bumbling sidekick it's always you're going to need some someone for him to play off however i'm not overly interested in that I just want to see more adventures of old man Lopan. Him, oh my god! Him in the wheelchair, just just following around. It could be a sitcom of just him getting annoyed with everyday things. This is really pissing me off. <laughs> old man Lopan. <laughs> oh. it, it would be brilliant. He's so he's like so like my two dads, but it's like two two other guys. It's and you, I suppose you could leap into young man Lopan with him floating through the walls, creeping people out and stuff. But I I want more Lopan trying I'm, to touch people up, you know, stick pins in Wyland. But no, I'm just I'm thinking. Thinking that, just thinking about it now, a good sequel could be that he's pissed off with Jack Burton and he comes after him. Let's say Jack Burton finally tracks down. Well, old man Lopan oh, comes yeah, after him so <laughs> in, in one of those motorized scooters. Yeah, so he, he finally tracks. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Mister Burton. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so he finally tracks it down, Jack Burton, who settled down with Kim Cattrall's, and he's still after the green eyes. So gets him on his turf. What would be Jack Burton's turf? Well, what if old man Lopan encounters James Hong from Blade? runner who specializes in eyes <laughs> <laughs> they both obsessed with eyes and then you've got, you've got double hong for your money oh my god so like double two, impact two hong to handle that's the tagline right there he was obsessed with <laughs> eyes he specialized in, in eyes. eyes yeah i'd like to see that we could do it with modern technology some de-aging make it happen make it happen anybody listening it. make it happen Make it happen. even if the if the rock has to be in it just make it happen <laughs> the rock well i think what i do like about <laughs> the rock getting in all these films it does mean less JFC, less Jai Courtney. Oh, oh J- J- Jai Courtney or John Cena, your other favourite. John Cena wants to be taken seriously as an actor. He's given up on wrestling, George. How do we get him back into wrestling? Oh, God knows. But anyway, um, yeah, so we haven't delved into it too much because, yeah, it's we don't like to dwell too much on these comedies because they are made of funny one-liners and sight gags. And as try as hard as we can, we can't replicate it to its, you know, the finest comedy. I mean, we can for each other, but just not for the enjoyment of anybody listening to this. So. Indeed! <laughs> um, what have people got to well yeah I mean thanks for downloading this episode we hope you've enjoyed it do you have any idea what we're going to be covering next I have no idea what we're going to be doing uh, I think we might uh, well we've done 80s so maybe we might jump back to the 90s so probably uh, something involving Nicolas Cage maybe something involving <laughs> or John <Nicolas> Travolta <laughs> um, but uh, what, but not both of them but not both <laughs> watch the skies coming soon TBC um, but yeah I think it's fair to say you know we've had a lot of fun uh, revisiting 
revisiting this film and we urge you to go back and check it out have a few beers check it out yeah and watch uh, sorry check out the blog and we are going to get back to John Carpenter and Kurt Russell I'm sure we're going to do the thing we're going to do what, what escape, we're going to do the thing the thing about the thing oh the thing and uh, escape escape from New York yeah I I, I recently rewatched because it was on Netflix uh, escape from LA which is not as good which is not as good and has some very shoddy effects but it's great seeing you know Kurt back in the role the patch and, and again it is it's one of those before remakes were, were kind of remake slash sequels were popular it is but essentially a more expensive remake of Escape from New York but what was the other one you you mentioned to me is it They Live They Live yeah so that's with Rowdy Roddy Piper which is a film that we didn't watch or if we did we only saw no, bits I, of it no, so we, we never saw it it is I heard loads of people talking about it's being referenced in Family Guy it's a proper cult, cult we, we've yeah. had a few people who listen to this podcast ask that we cover it it would be a bit against Retro Ramble because we didn't watch uh, against it against the rules but uh, uh, that's not to say we won't reference it in um, some shape we're not above awful. pandering to fan demand <laughs> Um, well, I mean, that's why you keep me on this. That's that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got some real gigs lined up uh, for um, for later on in the summer. So yeah, as as Charlie says, you know. Keep a, a check on. We're all sharing stuff on Facebook and Twitter, occasionally Instagram, not so much on Instagram, but you know, hey, follow us anyway. Um, uh, you know, tweets po- and we're on all the podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from. Wherever you get your podcasts, and even from. if you if you don't like podcasts, you can listen to these episodes just on our website at retroramble.blog or even if you wanted to on YouTube. But yeah, um, obligatory disclaimer of you know if you enjoy these uh, podcasts, share with people. You know, tell your friends, tell 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 their friends, and uh, more importantly, if you have a spare couple of minutes, leave us a review on iTunes because that makes us more visible to more people. Yeah, so, well, that's it's been a lot of fun. I've been Charlie McGee. I've been David Lopan. No, you haven't. You're okay. nothing. I, I, <laughs> you you're, are nothing. You are nothing. Like you are not James Hong. Okay, I am George McGee. But uh, thank you for listening, as always. Yeah, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. these people. Friends of yours, huh? Now, this really pisses me off to no end.